0: Beth Nielsen Chapman is a renowned singer and songwriting legend. With her latest album Crazy Town reaching number one on the official UK country chart, Beth has established herself as a prominent figure in the music industry. Her talent has earned her accolades such as ASCAP's 1999 Song of the Year for her mega hit The Kiss, a Grammy nomination and the title of Nashville's Nannies' 1999 Songwriter of the Year. Her newest singles, Back to This Moment and Love, showcase her talent for crafting uplifting and resonant music. Alongside her new releases, Beth is embarking on a UK summer tour in August 2023, captivating audiences with her captivating performances. And Beth is on the line with us here. How are you today?
2: I'm great. I, I love that introduction. I'd like to have I wish I'd recorded it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so how does it feel to be back out there with new music
2: and be hitting the road again you know it's a continuum for me I haven't really stopped hitting the road it's a yeah. big world so when I'm not <laughs> over there I'm over here hitting the road but uh it's always a joy I mean music is my is my healing thing and my happy thing my happy place and all that all rolled into one so um I do complain when I come home and nobody's cleaned my house uh, but other than that it's great yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> now one of your singles that it's released now, it's called Back to This Moment, and it has a powerful message of resilience and hope. What was the inspiration behind that song?
2: Well, I wrote that with an artist named May Earlywine, who lives in Michigan, and she had come to Nashville right after lockdown had eased up a bit, and we were sitting in my studio in my house, and she was talking about her longing to get back to where we were before all the crazy stuff started happening, and we were all in the pandemic, and just that longing to be Back in a place of innocence, uh, before you knew how crazy things could get, and um, yeah. and so we were writing it from that perspective. And I thought everyone could identify with that, since we were all kind of going through this thing together on the whole planet Earth here. Yeah. And then um, this past December, um, my husband Bob passed away from leukemia after five years, and he um, he suddenly uh, it suddenly became aggressive. So you know, rather quickly, he was gone. And now putting out the song. It's like it's got this other perspective of, you know, uh, going through that loss and stuff. And I'm doing very well. And I've actually, you know, I really feel like music has been one of the guiding forces for me to to get in a place where I can move forward. And uh, And that song has, because it's got so much light in it and it's got joy and kind of what the heck are we going to do anyway? Let's just keep going kind of attitude. Um, I find that very helpful to me because, you know, when you go through stuff and you're you're carrying a certain o- amount of sadness and stuff, you can't just be sad. You have to also go back to your life and you have to embrace the things that are beautiful. And and that's one of those songs that kind of does both. It kind of yeah. gives you an opportunity to acknowledge, okay, that, that wasn't good. And now what am I going to do now? You know, so it's got everything kind of mixed all up in the, into one big, happy, um, fun piece of music. Yes. <laughs> so that's, I, I kind of wanted to put it out right now because you know I'll, it'll be a little while before my next album which it will be on but um but I wanted to get it on out there preceding my my coming over and doing some dates here in the UK, which I'm really excited about. I yeah. love coming over the pond. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's
0: great fun. And do you find that not just this song, but your music generally is quite good to help people with grief?
2: I do. I mean, various things that have happened in my life all have gone into my songs. And, you know, if you come to my show, you're definitely going to cry, but you're definitely going to laugh too. So yeah. to me, it's a, it's a balance. And um unbelievably you know i have i had lost my first husband back in 1994 and that set off a whole group of songs uh mainly a song called sand and water which i believe terry wogan was very um was very supportive of and and bob harris many of the folks on on radio too and that is what enabled me to come back to the uk quite a bit and tour and um you know i just end up putting my whole life in my songs anyway so if there's any uh, things in the songs that help people get through their own stuff, that's an added gift to me. Um, You know, I just write them for perfectly selfish reasons and then it's wonderful that they help other people. I'm really always grateful for that.
0: And this song, Back to This Moment, is maybe slightly different to some of your other songs because we maybe associate you most with maybe a little bit more slower piano ballads, whereas this one has more of a vibrant American bluegrass sound to it. So what were the reasons behind that? kind of musical choice.
2: Well, I mean, I'm, if you go into all my albums, there's all that kind of stuff all the way back. Um, mm. It's just the songs that ended up on the radio more have been the ballads, which I, I never complain. If they put anything on the radio, I'm happy as, as pie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you come to my shows or you're listening to my albums, there's usually quite a few kick-ass songs on there. <laughs> because, yes. because I love them, you know. And uh, back to this moment, I felt like there's so many... People just wanting to shake off the whole last three years and just go, okay, let's just get on with it and, you know, and uh, move forward. So it has a bit of that sort of breaking out of prison vibe that yeah. I really love. <laughs> the prison of the past. And uh, yeah, and I love, I love uh, bluegrass. is actually one of my favorite forms of music. I've never done a proper bluegrass album, but I'm threatening to it one day.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I suppose the musical style just generally helps because even if you didn't listen to the lyrics, you'd f- probably feel free just hearing it <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you
2: yeah 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 absolutely yeah
0: and you mentioned that the song was a collaboration mm-hmm. in the writing with Mary Airline so yeah. what was the process like and how did the collaboration actually come about
2: well we had never written a song together we were you know fans of each other's music and um she just had this idea and normally i start with the melody i don't even know what the idea is yet but We kind of took the idea and I said, well, let's, let's put something you know the song is about feeling that that longing to go back which can be very sad and it could be a ballad but let's go for the opposite and and so we just started playing something strummy and singing along we just popped each other popping in and out um taking turns and i record the whole thing because it gets going really fast yeah and you don't know what you just said you know and then we go back and listen to what we just did and and we go oh wait you said this and that's great let's write that down (laughs) it's really it's really very random it's um to me the creative process is very messy and unpredictable and random and and you just have to understand that it's not formed yet sometimes you just have to make sure you capture it all and then you can review it later and say are there any little treasure you know any jewels embedded in all that crazy chaos we just made (laughs)
0: yes and your second single love is set to release Mm -hmm. very soon so what can you tell us about that song I mean is it a similar style or completely different no it's,
2: it's back to the stuff you're used to from me it's a yeah. it's a piano ballad and it is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I didn't actually write the second song and it's really unusual for me to release a song not because I don't love other people's songs, just but because I always have such a backlog of songs that I've written that I'm trying to get out, you know. But this yeah. is a song that haunted me for 20 years, and I've been I worked with a um, couple of young artists from the um, Northern Ireland. A few, like in 2010, we were rehearsing, and they were coming on tour with me, Ruth Trimble and Eileen Patterson. And uh, during a break, Ruth went over to the piano and started playing this song. And I thought she'd written it. And I said, Ruth, if you wrote that song, that's a masterpiece. And she said, Well, I didn't write it. It was written by uh, Sarah Groves, who was a Christian artist in America who was very beloved and had done many, many albums, but I'd never heard of her. And the song was just so incredibly beautiful. It's uh, it's really just the most simple, elegant. It's almost like a song that it's just so simple, but it, it really encompasses everything about love and how it's this glue that holds us all together. And I won't do it any justice trying to explain it to you. But <laughs> when you when you hear it, the melody is incredibly precise. And the words are very, very simple, very few syllables. And it's so oh. much fun to sing. And I just am so moved by the song, and I you know kept it kept coming back up in my mind over the years and i I thought since I'm putting out back to this moment i think i'll I'll put a make it a double sided single and yeah. also put a beautiful ballad out. I just feel like when people hear it, they're just gonna be very moved by it as I was, and uh and I'm happy to 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 make the world hear the song because it is truly a, a, a masterpiece
0: Yeah, and I suppose it makes sense that the lyrics are simple because the title is yeah. simple as well so it maybe gives that away a bit
2: Yeah, it's really, really um, it's one of those songs when you hear it you think, oh, you know I've heard that before it's very familiar But it's because it's so good, you know, it it sort of reminds me of one of the more early gorgeous Beatles songs or something, you know, that's that's so well written, it just slides right into place in your heart and. Um, it's lovely to be able to brag about the song like I could never brag about my own (laughs) song because it's not my song, but it is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And, uh, and And I do look forward to people hearing it.
0: Because you didn't write it, when you're singing your own lyrics, do you find it's maybe easier to sing from the heart maybe? So when you're singing a song that somebody else has wrote, is it more difficult to do it justice or do you kind of find it just as easy?
2: Well, that's a really good question. And and the answer is straight ahead. Um, if I'm singing it, I already love the song. Uh, so if I love a song, whether I wrote it or not, I get a tremendous feeling in my heart when I sing it. It's yeah. It's a, an expression of something that I find to be strong and powerful and coherent and you know that's I don't think I ever sing a song that I hate Um, I mean, you know I probably would have gone farther if I would have agreed to do that but I refused (laughs) that and the miniskirt I just said no I don't think so no I'm just kidding Um, but songs you know they get into people's hearts and then they become part of our fabric and you know it's such an important part of the culture that we're in and that's why I get so frustrated by you know sometimes the songwriters left behind a bit on the on the scale of compensation because there's yeah. without the song, you literally don't have anything to, ha- there's nothing that can happen, you know, yeah. without the actual composition <laughs> yeah. and I always I always refer to it as like, you know, the artist is like, like the car, like you could have an artist that's a Maserati or a Lamborghini then they can be in perfect you know, perfect condition absolutely gorgeous, they could have diamond studded wheels, everything but if you don't have gas in the tank that car's just going to sit there looking pretty, you know yeah. So it's a very important part of the process of our experience of music is the composition. So um, anyway, before I get off on my tangent, I'll stop (laughs) now.
0: (laughs) And you mentioned that you only tend to sing songs that you like. So I take it you kind of started out just doing what you want to do, not necessarily following what's going to make you rich and famous.
2: Never have done that. um, And I've probably missed a few opportunities. But you know, I started out just singing in church and and then sang at weddings and parties. and, And I was pretty much always a choice of what I wanted to sing. And, you know, I got all into all the singer songwriters and learned all the Joni Mitchell songs. And, you know, learning other people's songs and performing them is a huge part of my growth as a songwriter because to embody those songs and to play them taught me so much about the DNA of songwriting. And that was um, something that served me well when I went to write my own songs. So I, I just soak up a lot of stuff from that. And I think all songwriters do that. I think we have such a deep appreciation for songs that we love. All of us do, whether we're writing them or not. You know, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. And what is your
0: secret to be able to write songs that are so emotionally resonant?
2: Well, I don't really consciously do anything for that to happen. I just try to stay open to whatever is moving through me. And And I think of creativity as almost like this thing that's outside of us that we flow through it's like, like the air in the room, you know, um, it's right there. If you and I were sitting in the same room, we would have the same amount of oxygen to breathe. Nobody would be getting cheated. Like you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to sit next to me and say, there's not enough oxygen in this room. So creativity is the same way. It's there like oxygen. And some people have more access to it because of a bunch of different reasons. One might be, you know, they had a wonderful childhood and their mom and dad really gave them a lot of encouragement. Every time they made up anything, they, they, they said, you're, you're a genius and all that. And another kid might've had a parent that said, yeah, it's terrible. You should <laughs> do something else. You know, that affects us and that shuts us down. And a lot of the reason that I love to teach is because I really love to get people, you know, that have been damaged by life and the people around them and have kind of shut, shut down the access to breathing that beautiful, creative energy that's all around us and... And it's just fascinating to help them kind of trick them into opening up to it. And then they start to experience creativity. They're starting to have ideas and they're they're excited because there's no bigger, there's no better drug really than coming up with something. And um, certainly kept me out of trouble. <laughs> yes.
0: And who is the ideal parent in that example? Because, you know, sometimes you might get a parent that go, oh, you're an amazing singer, but they're just saying that it's a white lie. And then they end up yeah. going on a talent show and it's completely embarrassing <laughs> for them.
2: Good point excellent point however um i don't think saying too much is great either i don't think we should overly shower kids with oh my god everything you do is perfect i think it's more like encouraging them to keep going you know and and i mean i'll i'll get a little drawing from my little nine-year-old grandson and it's brilliant i'm just i want to i want to just shout from the rooftops but i'll say wow that is really cool how you like how you love drawing you should keep doing that i really like what you're doing and it's just kind of a support for your creative process because you can over yeah you're right you can overdo it and then they walk out in the world and they think they're the best thing since sliced bread and and it is quite a wake-up call you know to go in the real world but i don't think you can you can hurt anybody by praising their efforts and encouraging them to keep trying and keep doing it you know yeah uh, a lot of parents the kid will get to be a certain age of well you're gonna get a real job aren't you you gotta get a real <laughs> job so they might even say hey you're a really good songwriter but don't do that because you know you you'll you'll starve. And, you know, there's, there's some truth to that, but you know, if it's your passion, it's crazy. If you're only here for this little trip around the sun, you know, it's like do what you're passionate about, find what you love to do and then find another way to make a living if you have to, but don't stop being creative. I love creativity. I mean, to me, it's God breathing (laughs) literally into everything. I like yeah. to make this joke with my students. I'll say, listen, if you leave a cheese sandwich on your piano and you come back in two weeks, creativity will have happened, whether you're, whether you're there or not. And Unless it's Velveeto cheese, which is not a food. <laughs> or, <laughs> or something fast food that doesn't change. It's kind of scary. <clears throat> it's, it's just a fascinating subject for me. Yeah. Now,
0: last year, your album, your latest album, Crazy Town, reached number one on the official UK country chart. How did it feel to receive such a positive reception for that album?
2: Well, that's always a a kick. You know, that's always wonderful to have something register and know that people have been able to hear it. And and the music is just something that drives itself, <clears throat> even when that doesn't happen. But it's it always feels good when that ha- when that happens. So I I'm very grateful for that. And I loved working with uh, Ray Kennedy, who produced the record. Um, he's been around for years, and we've known each other for twenty years. And I've always wanted to work with him. He's done a lot of work with Steve Earle and Linda uh, Lucinda Williams and uh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and you know he's just a he's kind of a rock and roller. So. He brings a little bit more of that edge into my music, which has been kind of fun, you know, been able to really have a lot of fun with it. So it's been great.
0: Now, as well as this new music, you're of course heading out on a tour in the UK this August. What can we expect from the performances? And are there any surprises in store?
2: Oh, yes, definitely surprises. So I'm coming over, I think I'm in Lime, uh, Lime,
0: what's it called? Lime Regis.
2: Lime Regis, thank you. Yes. yes. I knew. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, Lime Regis in, on August 2nd. And the third, we're going to be in uh, in Wales in Cardiff. And then, and then we're going from there to London to play at a place called Nell's. Uh, and I say we because it's myself and Ruth Trimble and Mia Morris, who's coming over from the US. Ruth is from Northern Ireland. And so we're like a trio, a little tight trio. It's really, really a great band, wonderful harmonies. They're both multi-instrumentalists, so they're wonderful musicians. And when we get to Nashville, though, we're going to have a special opening act at Nell's, which is going to be... Um, several writers that came to the Chris Difford songwriting camp that I've been part of every year for quite a few years. It's a songwriting retreat. And so we'll have Victoria Canal and Henry Grace and um, Judy Zook's daughter, uh, Bailey, will be performing a song. And Holly Rogers There's another wonderful songwriter that's gone to Chris. Chris Difford has done this amazing Retreat. It's like I tell my friends, it's like going to Downton Abbey and you get to write with some brilliant writer that you never thought you'd get to meet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after you have a, a full English breakfast. Yeah. But it happens at Pennard House, which is in Somerset uh, every year. And so it's going to be really fun, uh, the Nell's show. And then I'm off to the Underneath the Stars, um, Kate Rusby's festival. We'll be there on the 7th or 6th of August. And we shoot up to uh, Edinburgh to play the Queen's Hall. And then in, for that gig, we have kidnapped uh, the wonderful <laughs> Gregor <laughs> Philp Ooh. from the Blue Band. Uh, we're going to make him come play bass for us. So it should be a lot of fun. little quick tour, not, not a huge one, but yeah. just enough to come say hi. It's a quick one,
0: but you're going to a lot of nice places, particularly yeah. Lime Regis, by the sea and oh. on the Jurassic Coast. I think you can get, there's loads of fossils there you can find or something.
2: Oh, <laughs> fantastic. I love that. I love that. I love being by the sea in England. And it doesn't happen often enough I think I might have to rent a little place sometime And just kind of The sea there is just wild (laughs)
0: Yes (laughs) It's great Certainly is And in Lime Regis You can walk out on the cob thing Oh yeah? I think some people do it when it's like really windy So they must have a death wish Because
2: the waves are like so high I'll wave
0: to it Yeah Well After this tour and these singles Is there anything else on the way that you're working on?
2: Well I've got a couple of workshops so I'm doing one this week, a vocal workshop. And then uh, after I come back from the UK, I'm I am it's just an ongoing uh rolling going in and out of town yes. <laughs> and writing and going on the road. Um, you know, and I have oh, I'm teaching a, a wonderful workshop with Rodney Crowell that he he conducts in Nashville for several days. That's always really, really fun. It's called Adventures in Songs. So I'm teaching there. And then um, I'm I'm trying to take the month of October off, which is very, so far it's holding, but things will creep up. I mean, I try <laughs> really hard not to get too overbooked, you know, um, to take time off. Because I really haven't stopped. I mean, since yeah. my husband died, I have literally hit the road and, and been working so much. And it's been a blessing, but I think it's good to take time off and just kind of... Do nothing for a while So um, I'm going to try to do that In October But then I'm back out On the road in November <laughs> Woohoo
0: <laughs> Sounds good Yeah I take it tickets Are still available For the tour of course Yes So where are they available And also I take it the music Will be on all these Online places That you get these yeah, days
2: Yeah All those places That people go Yes um, That's true And and uh, my, my website Is pretty much A great place to look If you go to my website Which is my name And Nielsen Is spelled N-I-E-L-S-E which is the danish version. So it's bethielsonchapman.com and then if you go to the tour page it's all there. In fact, when people ask me my daughter-in-law said, "Well, when are you home?" I said, "Well, let me go look on my website cuz I don't remember." <laughs> <laughs> I have to look on my own website to find out where I am. So I'm I'm, I'm evidently in Nashville right now, evidently. So, yes. um yeah, it's it's all there on the website. So and then there's info about tickets and everything like that as well. So it's all um you can find it at, at my website, you can find all the information about almost anything in the world.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, many thanks for talking to us today and enjoy You're your welcome. time here next month.
2: I can't wait. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.